Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in, Sporty Nation. It is nice to be talking to you all. We have two wonderful teams going on in Arizona right now, and none of them are the Coyotes, but it's nice to have something over nothing. With me, per the usual, is my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Uh, it's it's a, a, nice, a nice Sunday. I have Captain Marvel on the TV here, so I'm watching Captain Marvel. While doing the show, I have my German beer here, my Wiener Lager, and um, yes, ask me about my Wiener. <laughs> uh, so I'm here, ready to talk about our exciting show that we have planned with some Coyotes talk and some Christmas movie talk and some other stuff. So hopefully, it's a good show for everybody. Yeah, I I hope it's it's pretty good. I feel like every single year we go into the same controversy that everyone loves to have with me. And there's still, to this day, I feel like only one answer to it. And I was so incredibly proud when a certain NHLer that I that I just adore ha- was asked the the question that I, it, we will be talking about later and had cited the correct answer to the question. That's just my little teaser for you all for when we get into that argument later. Yes, that will be coming up on the show. We are planning on on doing like a power rankings of our favorite Christmas movies. So that will be coming up later in the show. That was our sporty question. We already got plenty of responses, so we'll get to that coming up coming up in, in just just a little bit. There was something – I had an idea of what to kick off the show with. But I, I have flat out forgotten what that idea was now. So I apologize, Sport Asian. I had well, an idea. And I was like, <laughs> I, I have I have a direction to go in because I feel like we should get through this like off the top of everything. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, the Suns are ju- they went 18 straight wins before they had a loss. And the Cardinals are just killing it. So 
you know, the fact that Arizona has two wonderful teams that people can be proud of, both tops of their own divisions, and, you know, we finally can have nice things. What does the sports universe do, Richie? They tweet out that the Coyotes are moving to Houston and cite an anonymous Forbes source that, um, you know, is saying the tweet doesn't exist anymore. Luckily for you all, I took a screenshot of it and send it, sent it to Kat and Richie literally right as I saw it when I woke up in the morning because, you know, who can really pass on the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you know, smell nice, fresh air, and you think this is going to be a great morning, and you wake up to our own Slack that was talking, making jokes about the fact that, and and I'm talking about the Slack um, that we have for THPN, talking about that we should, you know, as THPN, buy the coyotes and ha ha ha, so on and so forth. Of course, this type of nonsense needs to fall into our holiday season because they simply can't help themselves. So um, Rick Westhead of, uh, had tweeted um, on the 2nd at 7.37 a.m., so started it nice, fresh, and early, citing an unnamed banking source. Mike Azanian of uh, at Forbes reports the, the Arizona Coyotes are for sale with an idea of buyer eventually moving the arena, moving the team to an arena in Houston. To which, thank you, thank you, thank you, Craig Morgan then responded to that. I mean, he he responded initially saying he hadn't heard anything and he was, you know, waiting to hear from the team and the people that he... Um, you know, he, he has pretty good ends with the team. The people he had talked to said that there was no merit to it. And then um, this was, what was this? At 9, 10 a.m. So it didn't take long to get an actual statement out. But um, Craig Morgan had put out a statement saying, statement from the Coyotes. This is false, totally false. We're not selling. We're not moving. The Coyotes are 100% committed to playing in Arizona. And then, you know, it just kind of kept going on from there. Batman had to say completely false as well. And it just was the continuous. Why are we even talking about this? Why is this even a thing? Like, it's just the fact that he even put that out. And it was funny. I was looking on his Twitter later today looking at all of this and someone had like added him essentially and asked him if there was anything extra that he had to that any follow-up on the coyotes for sale or was that just i'm bored on the shitter post he quote tweeted that and this was on the third 202 p.m saying thinking of Irony of Morello keeping Coyotes afloat by borrowing money from former Dodgers owner Frank McCourt. 
This is some of the dumbest shit I've read in a long time. Yeah, it's, I make this joke now. I made this all week. I made it on uh, one of our Kenny and Crash live streams during the week too. I was like, you know, I, sometimes I forget like what time of year it is. Time flies by really quickly, but the one time a year I know what time of year it is, is I know it's Christmas season when there's another Coyotes relocation rumor. And that's what this was. It's just like clockwork. Every year, every December, every January, there's another freaking rumor regarding the Coyotes moving. And we're talking about it again. It's ridiculous again. And I think, you know what's telling to me in this whole thing? Is how quickly the Coyotes reacted to it. How quickly the NHL reacted to it, too. Oftentimes... Um, you know, Corey and I both work in marketing. Corey spent some time working in PR too. You see something like this and you see it as kind of bullshit and you just let it go. You just let it lie. You don't say a word You're like, oh, this is crap. It's just whatever. Right. But they were like, they thought this was such bullshit that they were like, F you and your bull crap. This is wrong and total garbage. And they did it within the hour of this report uh, coming out. And it was from across the board. It was from the Coyotes. It was from Javier Gutierrez. It was from Gary Bettman. It was from Bill Daly. Everybody. It was like, this is total crap. And we say it every time, Corey. I say it on every show I go on. As long as Gary Bettman is the commissioner of the National Hockey League, the Coyotes will not leave Arizona. Because it would look... Why would someone who already gets enough shit as commissioner do something that is completely against everything he has worked for for years, which is to keep the team here, feels that the market is good here. Why would he do that and get egg on his face? It just doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. It's honestly one of the most frustrating things to have to go through that all the time. And, um, you know, at this point, you basically have a... PR response written out for this because of the fact that it happens so often. It's just like, nope, this is false, completely false. Like it just all the time that they keep throwing these rumors around. And I think one of the funniest things that I think came out of this, and I don't know if I have a, a preference on this either way, is the fact that a change.org petition was made to make the streets next to the new arena, if it comes to pass, be Quebec and Houston Road, which is <laughs> is funny, very funny, but I don't know uh, how I feel about it. Honestly, it just it's it's humorous, but for an actuality for it to be a thing, it is my kind of petty though. I really do enjoy the pettiness of it. Yeah, I saw that petition too. I haven't gotten it. I haven't seen an update, you know, somewhat recently in terms of how many teenagers it's gotten. But it would be really funny if they did that. Granted, I think it's a lock that one of the talk about naming streets, and this is diving into the weeds here. But like, just name it Shane Doan Boulevard and be like Happy Jack, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, the fact that he has done so much for this team in hockey in Arizona is just that would be so much easier just makes sense yeah it does so again total crap total absolute garbage from some ridiculous member of the media who wants to get clicks on his story and i'm sure all the canadian people ran with and were like oh here we go again but 
it's not going to happen, folks. Okay, just just quit it here. Just quit with the garbage, and the Coyotes will not be moving anytime soon. So, Corey, I just sent you a a, a tweet here that is great. So, in case you haven't been following, we usually don't talk about overall NHL things on our show because everybody else fucking does it, but. It's just too good to pass up to talk about this. So the Vancouver Canucks are a shit show. You had fans throwing jerseys on the ice against the Pittsburgh Penguins when they lost that game the other night at home. Brian Dumlin of the Penguins picked the jersey off the ice and threw it back into the stands. Um, They are firing their head coach, Travis Green. They're hiring Bruce Boudreaux. We're expecting more changes. And this is developing live as we're recording here. We're expecting more changes to come. So about... An hour, about 30 minutes before we started recording, I tweeted out the following joke as part of this tweet. Somebody said, still nothing official from the club, so maybe green isn't the only thing going down. I quote tweeted that, and I made a joke that says, go full chaos Vancouver and announce Chaika as the new GM. Now, I did that as a complete and total joke. Because, first of all, we haven't heard from John Chaika in over years. Corey and I have talked about on the show. His suspension ends on December 31st. Of course, his year-long suspension uh, coming from the Coyotes uh, draft scandal. Now, I tweeted that out at 6.42 p.m., okay? Let's move to seven minutes later at 6.49 p.m., ladies and gentlemen, from Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. I shit you not, this is a real thing. Regarding the Canucks, there was a rumor making the rounds last week that John Chaika was going to take over hockey ops when his NHL suspension ends on December 31st. Looked into it, didn't seem like that's where this is headed, but maybe something to file away. Ladies and gentlemen, I am an insider, okay? I am an insider. I beat Greg Wyshynski to the po- to, to the to the I beat Greg Wyshynski to it and making the connection between John Chaika and the Vancouver Canucks. So if it happens, you heard it here first on this on, on Sporty with Corey and Richie that John Chaika was going to Vancouver. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, <laughs> I, that he, oh my God. I'm, I'm, I literally, I'm kind of both like baffled over here. And I also think this is hilarious we, you know, we had said that, um, you know, everyone is being way too quiet about this. Reminder, here on Sporty, I think we are the only people that were constantly saying, hey, reminder, Chaika's suspension is up at the end of this year. It's coming. It's coming much quicker than you all remember. Hello. And then, um, and it's funny because even amongst, you know, friends and so on I, I said stuff and they're like oh shit I forgot about that and I go yeah you're meant to forget about it and and they go why and I go because that's what he wants he wants you to forget about it the NHL wants you to forget about it why because he's gonna pop up somewhere once again where he's just gonna come out of the woodwork oh everyone forgot about me and now I've got a position in another team in the NHL, and it's going to be somewhere else that he wants to be. And here it is, just as we thought. I mean, it's not, you know, an official thing, but he's now coming out of the woodwork with a possible job 
after he's kept it low profile. You have to at least, I guess, give him props on that. You stayed very low profile on this, so that way you could sneak your way back into all of it. And, I mean, it's not what any of us didn't expect. I think we all thoroughly expected this to be what happened because it's the NHL. If they won't make exceptions, who will? And I would just like to point this out. Down in Vancouver would be stupid to hire John Chaika. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but the Vancouver Canucks are in a similar situation right now to where the Coyotes were when John Chaika was hired as their GM too, where they were kind of in this quasi-rebuild transition period you know, type of situation. And in fact, I think the Canucks are even worse off with some of the things they have going on with their organization, some of the contracts and some of the, and their salary cap situation there that they got going on. And so if you're looking to hire a GM, I don't think John Chike is the guy for goodness sake, because we saw what happened with the Coyotes and it did not go well whatsoever. You know, Corey and I have been on the record on this many occasion that John Chaika was kind of a hot wasted space for the Coyotes and then they got nothing from it other than having Taylor Hall for two weeks before before he left in free agency and that's about it. I <laughs> oh, honestly, and Jacob Chikrin, sorry. Oh <laughs> you can't forget Chikrin. But no, I honestly don't think he's going to be a GM somewhere. I think that he's gonna fit in some other job. You know, he kept on, I think, at the time, thought he was, you know, hot shit and worth a lot. I think his name has been tainted enough now at this point that they're not going to put him in such a predominant position, but that he will have some type of front office space that he will be working. Whether it's with the Canucks or somewhere, I I still say that I'm, I'm throwing that out there. And um, just as you say that, I, I also say Sporty was the first one to also say that this is what he was doing, was laying low until the time came for him to pounce. I, you know, there's rumors going around about this. Like, you know, we're just shitting on, you know, people always believing in rumors. But just because this, it may not be this particular rumor, it still is a good possibility that he's shopping around for a place that he can, you know, land himself for the next season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he landed himself somewhere, but um, good luck with that. You poor souls. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, we know that um, Montreal also has a GM opening too. So, Granted, they want somebody who can speak French. I don't think John Chaika can speak French, but I, I don't know. So keep an eye out for that sporty nation as John Chaika can return to the NHL, like, like we said, at the end of the year. All right, uh, some more Coyotes news, Corey. We have, um, we of course, didn't get a chance to talk about it because we didn't do a, a midweek episode this week. But uh, a surprise happened this week. The first career NHL shutout for – Karel Vimelka, a very impressive performance on the road against the Winnipeg Jets in which the Coyotes won the game one to nothing, despite only putting up like what, 14 or 15 shots on goal and Vimelka having to make like 45 or 46 saves in the game. So uh, in a season that full of, that we expect to be full of blows, Karel Vimelka getting his first career shutout was a nice high and a nice highlight of the season so far. Yeah, especially because now, I mean, uh, 
after the Knights game, that was quite awful, you know, with the seven goals in that game. It's nice that he was able to have such a a nice game in order to be able to hang his hat on because this season is not going to be a good one. It's not going to be one that he's really going to look back on and be like, that was a wonderful season. You know, it's going to be very, very rough. I mean, he had in it in the game that was, I'm losing my train of thought on Friday. Um, he, his save percentage was a 0.781. So, it's nice that he at least was able to get that one game and the difference in shot count between the two teams is absolutely insane. The fact that he was able to keep that game where it was at and be able to do that is beyond words and shout out to him for being able to, um, to do that. I, I about died when I ended up seeing that final shot count because I didn't actually get to watch the game. So when I was looking at everything afterwards, um, actually, no, no, no. Um, I think our favorite uh, goaltending expert, Catherine Silverman, sent it to us before I looked at all the stats of the game. And I, I about died when I saw that. That was uh, something straight out of a meme not real life, but the coyotes are basically a meme this entire season. So what can we, what can we say? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, again, like you said, what a weird turn of events. He gets his first career shutout and then he turns around and gives up seven goals of the golden Knights, like two days later. So just the roller coaster of the coyotes this year. Yeah. And that's the thing is there is nothing to be able to grasp onto fully in the fact that, so basically you just have to enjoy the good moments when they come and really be able to just enjoy the good things that come with the Coyotes this year and accept the bad for what it is because of the fact that um, hopefully it'll pay off in the end. I mean, all of our simulators have really not shown the Coyotes getting the first overall pick, but um, that is the hope of all of this. So I guess you can count each loss as um, one step towards that direction, but it, I don't know. I, I still stay on the side of you can't have these games where you're getting butchered seven to one because of the fact that it's not fun to watch. But yeah, we gotta, I guess, all take it as Coyotes fans one day at a time, one game at a time, and um, just be blessed that they're here and that the future for them will be bright and that you'll be getting to see some development from players throughout the season. But yeah, it's a, a, it's even a little bit more than a roller coaster. It's kind of like you finally are, you're hiking, you make it finally up to the top of the mountain and someone pushes you off. Um, and you break a bunch of bones, but you don't die. So you're just thankful that you didn't die. That's basically how this season will be in a nutshell. Yeah, I saw Andre Torini make some comments after the Golden Knights game where he was he's very disappointed in that performance, obviously. But, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how the Coyotes were staying, you know, competitive in a lot of these games, right? You know, just talked about the Winnipeg game. They, were, they, they go on the road and beat a, a good Winnipeg team, right? And, you know, they're, they're at least making games entertaining and fun to watch. And they went on that little point streak there. That was good. But, you know, Andre Torini, after the game against 
um, Vegas said it was a little bit of a step back. He said, it's frustrating. We take pride in being a team who is tough to play against. You need to earn it. You need to work to play against us. And when you give an odd man rush, when you beat, get beat up the ice, it's not tough to play against us. It's free scoring chances, free offense. It's a dream for an offensive player to be able to create those chances. We want to stay away from that. I think we're better than that. So, um, yeah, it was a step back for them, but not surprising by any means. Like, they're going to get beat like that from time to time this year. It's just a matter of not doing it very often. And for the most part, they've been good about doing it. Like we said on the previous episode, outside of those first few games of the season, like there's been a lot of fairly competitive games, right? Where, you know, they're in games, but they're, and if they do lose by two goals, it's a late, it's a late, you know, empty net or et cetera, et cetera. So um, step back for that one game. But uh but overall, you know, hey, they're staying competitive. I still think they're they're playing, you know, and for the most part, entertaining hockey to watch. You know, and you still have those stories too of of players who have good seasons. Like, for goodness' sake, Corey, um, here's a little quiz for you, on the spot quiz. Don't expect you to know the answer because I sure as crap didn't even know this guy was on the roster. To be honest, do you know who, alongside Clayton Keller, is leading the team in goals this year? Oh, shit. I, th- I think I did know this, but I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I am so sorry. Totally okay. Because it's Travis, Travis Boyd. Yes, there we go. I, I did I did know it because I can't remember where... where Maybe we talked about it at one point. Uh, but yeah, I, it's not, not at the point of remembering in my head because of the fact that it's yeah what a weird season that's what i'm just gonna say is it's just odd and that's i think the other thing that was hard about this season and i had said it in our last podcast in the fact that you can enjoy certain things like the storyline of wedgwood and the progress of keller and um, whatnot, but there's not really players that you're going to be able to grapple onto because of the fact that uh, there are players that are that are new here and that aren't going to stay here. So it's it's odd in that sense too. You know, there's not the players that you see come in here and and do well or you know tied for goals on the team are people that you don't even really have. A connection to yeah and you know speaking of positive stories Clayton Keller has been a player of much much consternation on our show for the last several seasons Corey's been very harsh on him I have too as being somebody who just kind of has just been there and hasn't really made an impact on this roster and, and make it being an impact player um but he's having a nice season this year he's got 16 points this year again has those six goals and uh, Jose Romero from the Arizona Republic had a nice article about Clayton Keller. And, um, you know, he's, he's talking about how um, Clayton Keller put on some weight in the offseason. He's become a more physical player. Um, he's um, taking advantage. Uh, he's not being taken advantage of anymore, right? He's been adapting to Andre Turney's system. He's a little bit be- He's much better defensively. And Clayton Keller said, I've been practicing really well. The coaching staff has done a really good job just keeping me confident no matter what happens. Here we have a great group of guys in the room. I'm, it's obviously tough not winning as much, 
but we're sticking together. We want to create a great group effort every night. We want to win as much as we can, but to see that progress from Clayton Keller is good. Andre Torini is quoted in this article and saying Clayton Keller is one of the best players in the NHL. I <laughs> I call bullshit on that right away. That's that's ridiculous. That's the most coachy of coach speak I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. But um, but he was complimenting his ability to be competitive and be a you know a, a be driven on both sides of the puck like we haven't seen him before in the past. But um, for Clayton Keller, it's a, a a good season for him and a season in which you know I think both of us thought he needed to come in and impress because he's playing for his job, right? Where I feel like Bill Armstrong wasn't tied to Clayton Keller, right? Clayton Keller, again, uh, was – was Clayton Keller – was he was a Chica pick, right? He was – was he the fir- one of the first draft picks that Chica made? Give give me one second here. I that's, I'm pulling up because I want to be 100% correct on this before I actually say it. Um he was the seventh overall pick in the 2016 NHL draft. So, yes. Yeah, so he was like the first big pick of the Chica era. And so I feel like Bill Armstrong isn't tied down to Clayton Keller like John Chica was because John Chica was the one that signed for that extension that's paying him over $7 million a year. So I feel like Bill Armstrong wanted to see improvement from Clayton Keller this year in order for him to prove that he's worth this contract. And I feel like he's doing that he's he's gotten better now the question for Clayton Keller for me is can he sustain it I tweeted this out too which is like he's very streaky but he's got to sustain it over the course of an 82 game season right he can't go quiet and not score anything for 10 straight games and call that progress you know he's got to continue to put up points at a level like he hasn't been able to do you know in the past since his his rookie season and so to see him doing that this year is nice. This is a very positive sign for the Coyotes in a season where there's not going to be a whole heck of a lot of of positives this year. Um, I feel like Clayton Keller's progress is one of them. Yeah, and, and that's what – I mean, it, it is true. It is back in, in the, the very beginning of the Chica era, he – Got there in May, and then the um, draft was in June. So there wasn't a, a ton of probably work on his part of really looking into all of it. Um, but, you know, basically he went off of all of his stats, and according to all of his stats, that was who he should pick. And honestly, there, I don't think anyone predicted the amount of time that it was going to take for – because uh, Keller had a, had a really good first season for, you know, what kind of player he is and whatnot. And then he went through that sophomore slump. And I don't think anyone predicted how much time it would take for him to kind of come back up out of all of that. And I will always say that I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he wasn't utilized correctly for a long time there. He was undersized. Um, He was trying to be the player that they needed him to be, wasn't capable of doing it. Um, He just didn't have the size to be able to finish plays. And he also didn't have the skill to be able to finish plays. So I mean that in the fact that of being able to um, 
being able to finish for checking and to be able to finish by scoring. He was undersized and underskilled in order and able in order to be able to do either of them. And it's a very difficult thing. I think that he's had to go through and had to realize as he's matured that he has to change the way that he is playing. He has to change his physical anatomy. He gained a lot of weight over the summer, like you said, and he was very proud of that because it's not easy for someone that is his size and stature to do that, but he wanted to be able to put on that muscle and work, work hard to be able to use probably these years going forward when they are going to be a bad team as a development stage for him because of the fact that he needs to be of a certain quality to be playing the type of minutes he wants to be playing. And like the team wants him to be playing when, um, when they become a competitive team again. So this is the time for him to really try and hone in on who he's going to be during some of the prime years of his career. And I looked up his, his points per game um, for this season and his points per game is 0.67 this year, which is the best since his rookie season where he put up 0.79 points per game. Um, so that's a nice little bump up for uh, Clayton Keller in terms of that, which is which is good, like we were just talking about. So um, quickly, Corey, before we move on to our Christmas rankings, really random question that just literally just popped into my head because we were talking about Clayton Keller there. Because um, I was looking at the Coyotes' schedule coming up, um, they have Dallas coming up on the road. They have a little break, and then they come back home and take on uh, Florida and Philadelphia. But I just realized that we are coming up on the Winter Olympics in about two months. Uh, also, my birthday in about two months, too, uh, for the record. Knew but, that was coming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was actually going to bring this up on a previous show or not, but, like, do you think the NHL should still send their players to the Olympics? Uh, that's an interesting. Yeah, sorry for tossing this on you, but I it, that's it just popped into my question. head. If you were to have asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have said definitely. Like, I see no problem with it. But then now with this whole Omicron variant and all of the tensions of travel and all that beginning, that I feel like it, we can't make a decision on that at this point in time because of the fact that so many things are changing and so many different things are happening between so many different governments at this point in time when it comes to travel. That's kind of a sticky situation. Yeah, I was I was reading um, a little bit about this the other day, and that's why it kind of popped into my mind. And somebody made a great point on Twitter, which I don't remember who it was from, but they pointed this out. And I, I don't remember if he was quoting a player off the record or, or just kind of putting the scenario out there. But this reporter made this idea that if you go to the Olympics and you test positive, you got to be quarantined. So you're going to be stuck in China for like three weeks in quarantine. 
if you test positive while you're there, which is crazy. And then you add in the fact that you're obviously going to be away from your family for those two weeks. And, and you add in, um, you know, teams already missing games, right? You know, the Ottawa centers are missing, miss, miss several games. Um, I believe the Canadians as well. A couple teams already missing games. Um, so it's, I just don't know if it, because as far as I know, they have not officially committed to the Olympics yet. They still have an opt out clause that they can, do and I, I really wonder if they pull out. Granted, it's very late in the game, but if they were smart, I think the risks are too great in this situation. Normally, I would say yes. In normal years, setting the NHL to the Olympics is a great idea because you get more exposure on your biggest stars of the game to a wider audience in the United States of America. But in this situation, I think it's too much. So hopefully, the NHL makes the right call and pulls out of the Olympics because they can always figure out a way to change the schedule around um, and make, and make it work. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. So thank you for answering that on the spot. No problem. At least you got my complete genuine, honest answer, which is a, and I feel like a lot of people are in that little flux right now of like, you know, what do you do? And, and I, and I mean that completely just in the, sense of no matter what, when it comes to, um, you know, all of your personal choices and whatnot, everyone I would hope would always want to keep all of the people around them, you know, safe and whatnot. And this is such a weird, unprecedented time that who really knows what the right thing to do is a lot of time um, outside of, you know, getting vaccinated, you know, outside of that, we don't really know what the right thing is to do. So a lot of this stuff is always just kind of speculation until we can get some actual scientific fact of one way or another. Yeah. I think uh, Canada and the United States are like, they will announce their rosters after the new year, like at the very beginning of January with the games, obviously scheduled to start the first week of February. So keep an eye on that. And we will cover it here um, on on the show. So um, let's wind up the show talking about our sporty question, Corey. We were asking the sporty nation about their favorite holiday movies. And I figured this is a good time because the reason why I thought about this is because you had texted a, in the group chat um, a couple nights ago that you were watching the Grinch. You stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. And you were yes, texting I was watching that text Saturday night. And you were texting us about um, Taylor Momsen, who plays Cindy Lou Who in the movie. And so that's what brought this upon my tip of the tongue to talk about this. So we can talk about our our favorite Christmas movies now. Corey, you teased at the beginning of the show, and this is why we call it a tease. Um, this is now our opportunity to uh, get across our our uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie agenda. So I will I will hand you the floor to explain why Die Hard is our number one scene as far as favorite Christmas movie. Uh, Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. Uh, the NHL that I was talking about was you, uh, Richie, you had sent me a video of him doing media day. He was asked to name a Christmas movie. And the first thing he did when he, he, he literally thought for a second, went Die Hard, Die Hard 2. So um, I'm so glad that he had said that I 
can't even tell you. I was just scrolling through as we were doing this podcast, a bunch of different Christmas movies, right? And, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, it's always a Christmas movie if um, this happens or that happens or blah, 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 blah. I say most movies that take place on Christmas are a Christmas movie because they all still have the kind of Christmassy spirit in them. Even in Die Hard, you know, he's bringing a bun, he's going home to see his family on Christmas. He's bringing his wife a, a, a big ass bear as a present. They're at a Christmas party. That's the whole reason why he's even there in the first place is because he's at a Christmas party that of um, in Nakatomi Plaza where his wife works. And it's just all of the facts of the movie wouldn't have happened if it wasn't Christmas time. And so um, it's, it's a Christmas movie. I've debated this many, many times. I even almost bought a sweatshirt this year or a sweater this year that says Die Hard is a Christmas movie um because of that fact and so yeah die hard is a christmas movie and i will stand by that yeah you don't have to convince me twice but there are a lot of people out there who disagree with you i think there was a poll um out there and let's see here die hard christmas poll this is called producing a show on the fly everybody uh, okay da, 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 da. Okay, here we go. Um, this is from uh, a new poll by YouGov has stepped in to settle the festive debate around Die Hard, finding that the public does not consider it to be a true Christmas film. In the end, 47% of people who had seen Die Hard agree that it is not a Christmas film. Okay, compared to 44% who think the opposite. For some, the arguments, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so it goes on. But anyway, that's your total. Here's the thing. That's not a majority. That's a plurality, okay? So there are some people, that's not over 50% of the vote. So there are some swing we can do here. Now, I think we should go to the Electoral College on this because um, I feel like if we did the Electoral College, Die Hard being a Christmas movie would win. Yeah, because no one who wins a popularity ever wins the Electoral College. <laughs> they they never align. Um, someone's gonna pull out some r- random election where where it aligned. Um, but I'm just saying, a lot of times the popularity in electoral college are different. But um, yeah, I <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's so funny how much people want to not make it a Christmas movie. I I genuinely think at this point, just like. Leave it be. If you want it to be a Christmas movie, then it's a Christmas movie and you watch it as a Christmas movie. But it can I, it can be both. If you want to watch it all year round, you can watch it all year round. I think a lot of people just want their Christmas movies to be Christmas movies. They need to be sappy. They need to be emotional. They need to be family being together. It can be funny, but it can't be an action movie. That's when they hit like a breaking point the most action they can watch is home alone and that's all that they can handle (laughs) yeah i i can see that for sure i think that's a lot of people's consternation is that the movie is rated r um so it's not a family movie and i think when people mostly think of christmas they think of 
they think of it of family movies and home alone is one of them obviously um the grinch who stole christmas as we previously alluded to another one um are there any other movies that would like what are your top three favorites the movies the three christmas movies that you gotta make sure you watch every year oh i have a I have a list. Okay, so obviously we've already said Die Hard and Die Hard 2, so I can take those out of there. Ooh, but I have four. I have to take one out? No, I mean, you can do the fourth one too, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And to which I would like to say Neil is the worst. I have already watched the Santa Claus this year, and God speaking of your wiener lager. If anyone is a bigger wiener in this, in the Christmas movie world, it is Neil in Santa Claus. Him and his dumbass sweaters. Um, then Elf. The Grinch. I watched the 2000s one um, on Saturday night. I quite enjoy that one um, because I just find that one really funny. And uh, Just Friends. Okay. And now you mentioned Just Friends to me a lot. I still have yet to see it. Yeah, I I haven't watched it yet this year. Maybe, maybe you should kind of watch it. With it. I, you haven't wa- I haven't watched it yet this year because of the fact that Scotty broke the rule of watching it multiple times during the year. So it, I wasn't able to savor it as a Christmas movie to which I told him that, you know, and as an honorable mention here, I'm forcing him to watch happiest season this year because yes. I really enjoyed it last year. So since he somewhat ruined just friends for me because he watched it so much during the year, I am forcing him to watch happiest season this year. That's a good one. That's a very much an honorable mention that came out last year. It's got, um, it's got Dan Levy in it. Um, it's got uh, Kristen Stewart. Oddly enough, not a big Kristen Stewart fan, but I thought she was great in it. And uh, it's really funny. It's really, it's really well done. It's on Hulu. Uh, I plan on watching it again this year for sure. And uh, it's so it's, it's there. That's like a very much an honorable mention. Um, but yes, I agree. Uh, we should watch it at some point. Um, because for whatever reason, I haven't seen it. Um, here, here are so I found my tweet from 2016 where i ranked the top five christmas movies um and i this is a good list i'm gonna stick with this list here because these are the ones i tend to watch um pretty much every year um obviously die hard christmas vacation number two santa claus number three grinch who stole christmas number four and christmas carol number five Yeah, I I don't watch some of the like the traditional ones of like the uh, Christmas Vacation. I feel like that one is a staple for most people. And um, what was your number five again? My number five was Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Um, I also don't watch that one. The only one that I ever remember watching was the. Um, DuckTales version of it. (laughs) 
So. That's the thing. Like, I will watch pretty much any version that's ever made of it. I just find the story fascinating. So I, I enjoy seeing all the different versions of it. Um, you know, the Jim Carrey one from the animated one from years ago. Um, when I was younger, they there was a version of it that had Patrick Stewart playing Scrooge. So I was a big fan of that when I was a kid. Um, there was a version that was had Guy Pearce in it that was on FX. I think either last year or the year before, where it was like a lot more scary. That one was interesting. Um, so I will watch pretty much any version of it, which is why it makes my list. The funny part is even when you just said Scrooge, I was like, I, I, I genuinely thought I was like, oh, he didn't finish it. That my, my brain went first to his name is Scrooge McDuck, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, mine's, uh, I, I don't feel like I don't do some of the traditional ones that everyone does. I, maybe I should get on that one year, just watch some of the more traditional ones everyone watches. But at the same time, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, you don't have to go back to like Miracle on 34th Street or anything like that. Or um, what's or the one with Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life. Never yeah, seen it. There's so many. At this point, there are so many christmas movies how do you even choose at this point yeah it's it's tough and speaking of which we got a decent amount of replies on our sporty question on the old twitter machine and uh let's go through some of them uh bayou benders uh christmas vacation so he agrees with me um we had a wcb podcast say a christmas story um which I would like to point out that I think I've seen like one time wasn't a fan. My parents weren't big fans of it either. So we didn't watch it growing up as kids. I don't really have a real attachment to that movie whatsoever. Um, Richard Blosser says home alone, planes, trains, and automobiles and the Grinch from 2000. Um, Dave, of course said die hard, um, which we both agree with. Of course, we've, we've always boy- liked Dave on this podcast. Yeah, and uh, your boy SV said the night before, which apparently is a Seth Rogen movie that's on Netflix. It's it's never pretty good, that. actually. Good movie. Yeah, never. I haven't seen that one yet. And then, uh, of course, uh, Kat replied with um, with um, Saving Christmas, which I watched for the first time last year. It's got James Gandolfini and um, and uh, Ben Affleck in the movie. And uh, it's it's a ridiculous movie. It's actually really funny. Um, and Kat always points this out to me that the movie is like has like a six percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Like critics hated it, but I watched it for the first time last year and it was quite enjoyable. So the, those were some of our responses that we got. I feel like a lot of times crit- critics hate Christmas movies because, like I said earlier, they're all very along the same vein. You know. Hmm. And, and so they don't really have much originality to them. So I feel like critics hate them most of the time. I mean, um, the 2000s Grinch did win awards for best like costume and makeup and stuff like that. But in order for that to happen, um, Jim Carrey literally had to be trained as from by like CIA training for getting tortured in order to get into that costume each day. So they had to go through all of that just to have um, a Christmas movie 
be nominated for stuff. I just feel like at a certain point, it's just the kind of a, a similar narrative along everything. And that's not particularly what critics like, but the public enjoys it. Um, quickly, two things before we go. One, uh, I was just reading the description of Just Friends here. And it says here, the plot focuses on a formerly obese high school student who attempts to free himself from the friend zone after reconnecting with his best friend whom he is in love with while visiting his hometown for Christmas. Odd. Uh, it is Ryan Reynolds in his finest in the very young years of Ryan Reynolds. Like it, It'll kind of bring you mentally back to Van Wilder because he looks so young. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny. He is essentially this, this little chubby kid who is best friends with this girl who, um, is basically, and, and if it's funny, if you look at the party in the first scene, uh, Scott always points out that everyone looks like they're 30, even though they're supposed to be in high school. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, they and she you know is the popular girl and everyone like loves her and everything and he professes his love to her doesn't go well and so he moves to LA and becomes this big hot shot in LA um but and then he ends up getting stuck back in his hometown and it all goes from there but that in itself isn't the movie like it's yes there's the whole like love story of it all But the best part of the entire thing is the interaction between him and Anna Faris, who acts like she's batshit crazy the entire time and is the funniest thing, like, you have ever seen. I I kid you not, it was probably one of the, like, most fun movies that she has ever shot because she just got to act like a complete psychopath the entire movie. It's, I will be on my list to watch. Um, one other thing, I'm on the Wikipedia page here, and it says Alanis Morissette, who was then Reynolds' fiance, made a cameo as herself as a former client of his character. I don't even, I didn't even realize that she was in it. I didn't know that he Oh, wait, it says the scene was deleted. Oh, That's I was going to say, I don't remember that. I'm, I did know the fact that he did date Alanis Morissette, but I. Uh, did not remember that. That's why, because it was deleted. Yeah, and the only reason I bring that up is because I was legit watching a documentary about Alanis Morissette last night, which, for the record, um, HBO has this great series of documentaries out. It's called Music Box, and and it's different music documentaries about different artists and, and whatnot. They There's a good one about 99 Woodstock. Um, Alanis Morissette has an episode, Kenny G has an episode, and DMX has an episode. I haven't watched them all, but I was watching the Alanis Morissette one. And it's really good. It just it basically just focuses on her kind of career and rise to fame and and her Jagged Little Pill album, which is and <laughs> when you go back and you look at all the hit songs on that on that record, it's incredible. But um I, I recommend watching that if you get a chance and watching it. And I tweeted out a link to a story I was reading about last night. And um, her one of the biggest songs on on that record is kind of like a, a fuck you song to an ex-boyfriend. And um, 
And it reminded me when I was watching the documentary, I was like, you know what this sounds like? This reminds me of Taylor Swift. I'm talking, the song is called you ought to know, right? It's a, it's, one of the biggest fuck yous to an ex you'll ever hear in your life. And I was like, I was listening to that and I was like, Alanis Morissette was massive in the nineties. She was a big part of, of, uh, you know, one of the biggest female pop stars at the time. And I would venture to say, we would not have Taylor Swift as we know her today without Alanis Morissette. I mean, Alanis Morissette though was a little bit more, she was darker, a little bit more, grungier i guess would be it's because it wasn't really emo back then it was probably a little bit more grungier back in those days um and so when she put out that song which is not about ryan reynolds i've looked it up before um (laughs) uh, yeah it's it's not it's about some other random guy but um but that would I definitely say it is along that same vein 100%. Anyway, I digress about that. Um, before we go, we, we of course almost forgot to tell you about DraftKings, everybody. Football fans, we are nearing the end of the season. And DraftKings Sportsbook, of course, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And you'll be a winner if a single point is scored. Let me explain. If you are a new customer to DraftKings Sportsbook and you sign up with the promo code THPN, you can bet just $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. They score, you score, when you sign up with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Corey, do you have anything else to say before we say goodbye? Goodbye? Um... <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, actually. Thank you and good night. <laughs> good night, good hockey, everybody. <laughs>